This is Color Speak, unveiling truth for light. Hi, I'm your host, Janet Huxley, author J.M. Huxley. Welcome to this podcast to unveil truth and uplift you. This is a place where we can testify to color because light is where you'll find truth and truth is where you'll find color. Color is where you'll find God. Color is God. It's his love for you. Can you even imagine living in a monotone world? Our God loves us so much, He gave us color to remind us of His goodness. Because we are a part of His color, we testify. Today, we are going to hear from a woman with a love for inspiring other women to discover and embrace their uniqueness, their own special color. Sierra Nelson is a wife mom and founder of Amore Joelle Style Studio. As the lead stylist of her brand, Sierra partners with women to draw out those unique details and communicates them through style and color. She has a passion for Christ and aims to reflect Him in every way, from family to fashion, and uses her influence accordingly. I met Sierra at a conference in Iowa a couple of weekends ago. She had flown in from D.C. and was seated next to me, and... I was instantly drawn to her because, don't you know, that is the way of the Holy Spirit. Sierra is stunningly beautiful and radiates the love of Jesus. Naturally, we were going to have a conversation and connect. And I'm so happy to welcome Sierra here to Color Speak today. Hi, Sierra. Hi. So good to have you here. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. And the Holy Spirit, let me tell you. So he was like, he gave me a ping. You were so cute, by the way. Can I just say this? You were so cute. You had on a white peasant blouse that was billowy and puffy and the cutest little like, was it mustard colored squirt? Is that yeah, right? I, I don't even know. You could describe it better because I'm not in the fashion world, but I'm sure no, you you could peg that better. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what, that's exactly what I had on. You're so cute. And I think you had Thank big hoops you. and I'm like, Dang, this girl is adorable. <laughs> Lover Thank style. So oh my goodness. Well, tell me what else? What else did I miss? What well, should we tell our listeners about you? Yeah, so as mentioned, mom, I'm a wife, and a Morjoel style studio is something that really just kind of came about and I began to to really nurture it. Honestly, over the the course of the pandemic and the shutdowns and things, um, while I was able to be home prior, I've been working in the school system um, as a paraeducator for the past eight years. Wow, nice. Yeah. And so when the shutdown happened, um, as you know, the schools closed and I was working virtually from home and it kind of it gave me the time to put a little more, you know, time and effort into my side business, which the styling has always been. It's been, it's what I went to school for. I have a degree in fashion design. Um, And it's just been something that has always been a side business for me. And the shutdowns gave me the opportunity to really do a lot with it. And so I've left the school system. Um, Last year was my last year when we did virtual um, and I'm full-time now, a uh, fashion stylist, wardrobe stylist for events. Um, it's mostly event styling. Okay. So explain the difference between event styling and individual styling. So you'll see like a, a lot of stylists that you'll see, they'll 
there'll be a wardrobe stylist for like transforming your entire wardrobe where they will kind of come in and do a closet cleanse and um, remove anything that like needs to go. And, th- and this is the type of sound that you'll see a lot like on TV. They'll yeah. remove everything that needs to go and then replace it. Like you'll, you'll have a budget and then they'll replace your wardrobe with, um, you know, more stylish, up to date, on trend items. Um, and give you a lookbook that you can follow along. So with the event styling, what I do is it's specifically styling for events. So you'll, um, if you have a special occasion, like a lot of people do um, birthday photo shoots or they'll have birthday events and they want to get, that's, that's what um, most of my past clients, it, it's been birthdays or just uh, photo shoots or branding shoots, any type of special event that you don't want to have to worry about what you're going to wear or how you're going to put things together or where you're going to get it from. I literally take care of all of that. I, I um, go through um, a, inter- a style interview where I really get to learn about the client um, and they'll, they fill out a questionnaire. And then we we through that and I try to hone in on the individuality of each client and pull that out through their wardrobe if that if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, it makes perfect sense and I I have so many questions. Well, first of all, I should say up front, I needed you for my son's wedding years ago because <laughs> I wasn't sure I was given an opportunity the bride said you could wear whatever color you want. Uh And so I was looking around and I found things that were, I just, I don't know. I just thought were maybe less appropriate than others. I mean, you know, it's just hard to find sometimes things without plunging necklines or too tight or whatever. Mm -hmm. And at my age, that's ridiculous Mm -hmm. Uh, to a certain extent. I mean, I'm, I'm willing, I did that. I, I wore something that was more tight fit for my last daughter's wedding. But in this case, what I'm thinking is I found this ball gown, which was on clearance and it was so pretty and I bought it and I ended up looking like, I'm not even kidding you, a champagne pumpkin. I look back at those pictures and I cringe because I think, talk about adding more weight. So it sounds to me like you can really help somebody like in my position who says, okay, so I'm in my son or daughter's wedding and I need something to wear. Or another time I think I was at a writer's conference and we were to dress up and my book was up for an award and I chose another dress, which I don't, I mean, it was fine. It was navy and it was sparkly, but honestly, I don't think it was the best for me. So someone like you could really save me (laughs) from some mortification. You'll be surprised even um, in certain circumstances where people aren't, they don't necessarily need help with fashion. Like they can dress themselves, but a lot of times, especially um, for things like you mentioned, um, your book, like branding for a book or an event or some type of speaking engagement, people will tend to reach for the things that they're more comfortable in or things that, you know, the, the everyday things that they gravitate toward um, and don't really know how to translate their personality through mm, their wardrobe. Yeah. And so that 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 plays really big in the branding side of things. 
Yeah, you know, for sure. You want to communicate whatever it is that your brand is. And and so many women, and especially when you get into things like body type, if you don't, women don't really yeah. know the type of silhouettes, silhouettes and, and things that work well with their body type. Um, so it's those little details that I come in and I help with. Well, and I'm thinking you probably do. Is it something like Rent the Runway? In other words, are these purchases that are made or can you recommend renting something? Yeah. So for events, I all you the op, both of those options are always on the table. It can be items mm-hmm. that you're willing. And a lot of times um, what, what winds up happening is people will initially say, no, I don't want to purchase. And then I'll always have the items after um, the photo shoot or whatever the event is um, available for purchase. And most of the time people wind up purchasing (laughs) and then I always have other options. So there's more than just the one outfit that that you wind up wearing and people kind of like feel like they're able to shop, you know, it's their own personal um, shopping experience. And so they'll wind up getting more things. You know, more than just whatever the outfit was that they wore. Yeah. Well, you you said that, you know, people kind of settle into things that are comfortable. And I, I totally get that. For me, I feel like I'm racing around. I have so many bases to cover that I often find when I have some place to go that is important that I'm not paying attention to the clothing. I'm not really thinking that through because that's sort of at the bottom of the list and that's mm-hmm. not where it should be. You know, after crossing off, okay, I've got this in order and that in order and the this flight and this many books and, you know, all of the things that have to happen. I find that sometimes I think, oh, right, what am I going to wear? Mm-hmm. You know, so someone like you could really help me. Is Is what you do something that can happen remotely or do you have to be in the DC area to take advantage of your, your services? Um, actually, most of uh, this past couple of years have been virtual. Um, the this the um, service has been mostly virtual. Typically, if I have a photo shoot, then I'll always be there for the photo shoot. But generally, it has always it has it's been virtual. Interesting. Yeah, that's good. So hear that, ladies? Mm-hmm. You can contact Sierra and get all set up. Yes, you can. And that has been, I would say, something that has come out of, of this pandemic that probably I wouldn't have utilized otherwise, because I'm very... um I'm a, a bit of a control freak and I'm very hands on. So I, I was I told always... you earlier, I used to be that way. Yeah, no, yeah. I yeah, kind of still am maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so I will always want to be there in person, but you know, because of the circumstances I've had to to do it, be able to do it virtual to, you know, maximize. So that has definitely turned out to be a good thing because it has broadened um, the clientele from just being here, you know, I could service someone like you who's not in the same state, you know. Yeah, no, I think that's terrific. And God wants us to look good, ladies. So <laughs> we we don't yes, need to yes. make wardrobe malfunction choices <laughs> like I have in the past. But we've all been there, right? I mean, we all look back on pictures and think, what was I thinking? I mean, it seemed like it was fine at the time, but not the right choice, Mm -hmm. not the right choice at all. Yeah. 
Oh, I love it. Well, that is very fun. What a fun job you have. I love it. And I love that you love Jesus and you're not afraid to take the gospel up. You know, I, I love yeah. that, you know, that we were in a place where we were celebrating and testifying and praising and declaring and worshiping and all of the things. So tell me about that. Tell me about your faith. Yeah. So I will, first off, I really, um, it's really important to me to make sure that I'm representing Christ even in my um, work. I feel like as believers, I think that that is something that is missing. Um, we kind of kind of similar to how, you know, the church will separate church from politics. I feel like mm-hmm. we do the same when it comes to our, our work. And I, I feel like it shouldn't be that way. So I really um, try to make it a point to make sure I'm merging the two. Like I want my clients to be able to meet or grow closer to Jesus um, through mm. them working with me and, and you know, partnering with me um, for style and for fashion. That's awesome. I love that. And I think if you're working one-on-one, you have less restrictions than maybe someone would yeah. feel she had, let's say if she worked in a department store or in another mm-hmm. public venue where we have to be careful these days. And yet, you know, it's time that the church takes a stand. And, you know, we've talked about this, you know, the, we can't be lukewarm anymore. That's not where we're at. So, Mm -hmm. you know, what would you say to people who say, for example, I mean, this is kind of off, off a little bit in another direction and not what you were speaking to necessarily. But what do you think about the separation of church and state? I don't understand it. Um, I really don't. I don't know where we got that from as believers. Yeah. Um, because, and I'm always really confused. My husband and I will, will talk about this often. And I'm like, this wasn't, this isn't a concept that's taught biblically. Like this isn't a biblical concept, mm-hmm. you know? So I don't really, I don't really know where we, where we got that from. Um, in the church. And I also feel like even if that is what we felt was the right thing to do, I don't know. Um, at a time when things are beginning to, I don't know, th- where things are at now, at the, the, yeah. the level that they're at now, I feel like, isn't it our job as the church to begin to call those things out to begin to stand up and vocalize um, those type of things. When we see it getting to the level at which is, it is now, you know, yeah. I, I really don't. And um, we, we talked a bit about um, before when I, when I mentioned the church, my church and how, you know, the church was closed. That is something that really upset me. Mm-hmm. Um over the course of the pandemic. And I I did understand in the beginning when churches, well, we didn't really know what was going on and churches closed and it was more of a, well, let's see what's going on thing. But then when it turned into 
six months and then it turned into a year and then it turned mm-hmm. into two years and then the clubs were open back up and then the bars were open back up and the churches were still closed. Yeah. That and, really upset me. <laughs> well, and I was going to say, and you saw more of that, I think in DC than for example, we did in, in Kansas city. Yeah. I, I, I think the city areas, it was more, you saw more of it in city areas in general. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Well, and I think you make a good point because I know in the beginning, we didn't know what was going on. Mm -hmm. But I think for those with, you know, all of all of those of us who follow Jesus, there's a certain discernment that happened, right? Where in our guts, we knew it was wrong. And Mm -hmm. in our guts, we knew, for example, the mask thing. I kept thinking, okay. All of this aside, what do I know in the core of who I am in my being? What do mm-hmm. I what I sense inside? And that is our Lord would never want us to mask our faces. They were made in the image of him. Mm-hmm. So what that. is this? What is happening? Now, this was even before. So at the time I was teaching a worldviews class to high school mm-hmm. and I showed them some some pictures of the Jain followers. Jainism, they do wear masks. And one of the kids in the class said, oh, look, they're wearing masks, too. And I said, no, 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 this is this is something that happened, you know, long ago. Mm-hmm. The fact that they were wearing masks, it is part of their belief system because they don't believe that breathing air and killing what's in the air around them <laughs> is a good thing. So, I mean, that's that's fodder for another day. But the point mm-hmm. is, that's a false religion. That's not mm-hmm. who God called us to be. So. So we knew that there was something association, there was an associative response, you know, to those masks that it just didn't feel right. Yeah. And, and now we know that they didn't, they don't do anything. And, and I've, and I've known people in my own family, and it's just, it's been remarkable for me to process through it. Okay, so you, you cough on your hands. And then you go out and you touch things in public with your hands, but you're wearing a mask because you don't want to infect people. Well, it doesn't matter because your hands are touching things. <laughs> like it's just the it's the logic just blows my mind. But I I yeah, yeah, all of the things. So I understood early on that it was honestly a ploy from the pit of hell to keep yeah. us from interacting with one another because we couldn't see and then all of a sudden did you notice we weren't making eye contact anymore? We were afraid of the people around us. We were calling yeah. each other out in public. And I know at one point I took my mask down because I was having a hard time breathing in a Target store. I took it down just momentarily and I was up really close to a display and there was no one around me. And a young woman came high tailing it across the store to, to to ream me, you know, for not having my mask up. Mm-hmm. So then it like it empowered people the wrong way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was a mess. We don't need to go down that path. But yes, I I agree. In church, it was people were scared. That's the bottom line. Yeah. Is people were scared. Yes. And that was the thing. It, like you, you mentioned, like when you started to notice one thing, it's like after that, noticing that first thing, then everything kind of began to be unveiled um, in a sense of, so like, at first, it's like, okay, we're protecting ourselves. We don't know what's going on. You know, you, you mm-hmm. put the mask on, but then it's like, well, now you have to, you have to wear a mask and things weren't begin. Things really weren't adding up when I looked at everything 
as a whole, whereas um, you have to put on a mask, to, especially when when um, when restaurants and things begin to open back up. It's like you have to put on a mask um, to enter the restaurant, but then you can take the mask off or same thing yeah. with the um, plane. You have to wear a mask unless you're drinking or eating. And it's and it it boggled my mind how this made sense to people. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, me too. I didn't. <laughs> I really. <laughs> thought, I thought that I was the crazy one because <laughs> I'm like <laughs> me too. This, this makes sense to everyone else. I I didn't understand it. So yeah, but then my point is that once you notice, once that first thing was off, then everything started to not make sense to me, and mm-hmm. you know, and that's when I kind of honestly it. Even throughout this pandemic, that's when I've honestly got more into like looking into into politics. I've I've prior to that I was never really into politics, but all of the things that was going on, I think it just had, you know, because it had a still um for a little while, I was questioning a lot of things that I was seeing. You know, mm-hmm. so I started to like look into things and research more things. Yeah, and I think I think that was true of most people, and particularly those in Christ. And I think it called attention to the fact that we do need to take a stand because complacency only makes a way for evil. I mean, just look at your your history, which of course history has been eradicated. Uh, I know it's not on standardized testing anymore, so that's why I say it's largely been eradicated from our mm-hmm. from our educational process. Because if you can take history and knowledge from people, they are more easily manipulated like yeah. sheep. And yeah. so, you know, there were a lot of people and let me tell you, you know, I've been a journalist for decades and I I know the process and I know what was happening. And the media gets a hold of of one way of doing things and by golly it holds tight to that especially when as you look upward, those people at the top are being controlled by the greater narrative, mm-hmm. you know. And so, but but we now start looking at things okay, more closely, and I think, and I hope with greater common sense or greater sense, I know that we all have common sense, but (laughs) then we become aware of these things. And I think, you know, the frustrating part of it as someone who continued to report during the course of it, I would hear one story that was just, it blew all the rest of the narrative out of the water. And then come to find out that story's gone, it's buried. I mean, you can't find it on page 100 of Google. Yeah. Right. So then all of a sudden it became extremely alarming that we understood that no, what we had previously thought was uh, a greater good in terms of the information that we were disseminated wasn't existed. It yeah. didn't exist anymore. And so therefore we had to forge our own way and it wouldn't necessarily even be from digging through information. It would be from turning to God and listening to what he had put on our hearts and using that discernment. And so all of that having been said, I mean, I know with the masks, I wanted to be respectful of others, certainly. But at the same time, I thought, well, this is foolishness Mm -hmm. and we're being controlled. Mm -hmm. And it's all part of everything else, all of the other narratives that were being perpetuated at the time that only served to destabilize our society. And then you have Mm -hmm. to understand, you know, that there is a global agenda and there are operatives in every single country around the world now that purport to um, 
you know, save the planet, but in reality, want to bring us all down, you know, because with open borders, we can create destabilization, and we can create dependence upon government. And then we push this, this narrative that doesn't, that's not even close to being true. And there's so many components to that, you know, not the least of which is the pandemic. So we have real issues to address for sure. But a lot of those I think that we hear in the mainstream media narrative aren't close to being accurate. And that's sad. So, so therefore, yes, I mean, getting back to the whole church thing, like you, I know we've discussed this, that it's so important for churches to take a stand and stop watering things down in order to placate everyone. Yes. Yes. And I um, have also, I'm also very frustrated with um, pastors that won't speak up about the things that are going on. Me too. It's it's very frustrating for me because I'm like, it's it's not like this is happening just in like small pockets or, you know, in just certain places. It's, it's happening all over. Like it's in front of us. It's very loud in front of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, I just don't understand how as a pastor, um, of a church, they wouldn't be drawn to to speak to these things. And I think it honestly goes right back to where we said all of this began, which was fear. I feel like yeah. fear was the beginning of, um, you know, let it, leading us into the pandemic. Um, and I, I feel like it has been the same fear that has been seeping into every other area. Um, especially because of the, the race thing, because of the, um, when we, uh, go into the, the sexuality, um, things that are, are going on and how people are labeled and attacked. And that has even in the church has become a point of fear because you don't want to be called a name, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we'll like, we'll, we'll muffle the word of God. We'll muffle the gospel for, you know, fear. Yeah. And I love, see, and that's, that's why I was so drawn to you because I, I love it when we can take a stand for truth and it doesn't matter, you know, what the rest of the people are saying. And, you know, just, just in backing up a little bit, let me tell you how I was disappointed because you and I, I think talked about this, maybe it was someone else at the conference, but we had heard someone say, listen, the defeat of Roe versus Wade or the overruling, to be precise, of Roe versus Wade, mm-hmm. um, no matter what you personally feel about it, people who are listening, you know, the reality is that's not God's way. That's not God's purpose. And there is no point of conception there is a point of conception and that is the point of conception and that is end of story, right? Mm-hmm. Whether you like it or not. Um, and so when that was overruled, one of the pastors said that I had been listening to online, he said, and he was very gentle and and soft-spoken. And, and he said, 
that was so significant in the spiritual world, what happened that you couldn't see behind the scenes, that if you are currently in a church that was unwilling to even address the subject or to bring it up, he said, I'm going to tell you, you probably are in the wrong church. Mm -hmm. And that really aided me. It did, because I had Christian friends posting, well, it's a women's woman's right to choose. Mm -hmm. And I've been very open on my podcast about the fact that I did have an abortion in the 90s. And I will tell you here, I will sit here today and tell you that was the wrong decision. Mm -hmm. I have repented. I have been forgiven of that. I will see my child in heaven someday. But the reality is, it was wrong. And it is not a constitutional right for us to decide to take a life. Because if we draw the line there, well, what about, what if we come up with this? It should be every woman's right to cut off her legs if she chooses, or every woman's right to cut off a limb of some kind. It, where do we stop it? It's yeah. not a constitutional right to take action against one's body that is made in the image of Christ. So then I went to, we were in a church and we had a vote coming up in Kansas. And it was just, it wasn't even that, there would no longer be an abortion possible for a rape victim or um, incest survivor or any of that. It was simply value them both. And is it yes or no? Do we yes, value them both or no, mm -hmm. don't we? Right. And I know people get so contentious about this, but I mean, the reality is the only vote that could have been taken was a yes vote because all it did was said, um, I believe it was at 15 weeks, said it's not a constitutional right to an abortion after 15 weeks. Well, Planned Parenthood put millions into this state and the state of Kansas ended up voting against it. But here's my problem is there was no pastor at the time that I knew of that was willing to take a stand for it. In yeah. fact, I was going to a church where the pastor said, I have a message for you regarding the coming up, the vote coming up. This was on Sunday regarding the vote coming up on Tuesday. And I thought, oh, good. Finally, someone's going to talk about it. He said, um, just refer to the website. So he didn't he didn't talk about it, you know, in front of the congregation that day. And it was off to another message, which inherently is always about, you know, looking at scripture and delighting in the things that people have done in the past without practically applying it to whatever we're going through, even politically now. Yeah. And I know you hear what I'm saying on that. Yeah. So he um, I, I he said there was a four, I think a four or six minute video and a 40 minute one. So my daughter and I left thinking, OK, this is great. This is going to be good. So my husband was traveling that day and come to find out the four minute one just didn't address it. The, the 40 minute one didn't address it. It was just read these verses and make a decision. So in other words, he's yeah. intimating, but he's not taking a stand. Meanwhile, my yeah. daughter, we had Googled a church in Kansas that we had Googled spirit filled church and we had found this other church and I had visited already a couple of times. And my daughter, another daughter with her family was in that church that day. And she said, Mom, the pastor got up and said, you have to vote yes on this. She said he had it on the big screens. Vote yes. He took a stand. You know, that's what I'm saying is, yeah. is those who are willing to take a stand and say, okay, well, here's the thing. We're called to vote. We're, we're called to follow government when government has been put in place by our Lord and Savior. Mm -hmm. But we're not exactly. called to follow government when it's a fraudulent election, when there has been a seizure illegitimately of the office of the White House, when the White House is calling us to do all of these things, to vote all and support all of these things that are anti-biblical, anti-God, yeah. when the White House has declared war on our God. We're not we're not called to follow then. So where are all of those people that are willing to speak out? 
you know, so yeah. enough, I'll get off my soapbox. But, you know, you and I are of the same mind. And that's why we were at this conference. So it's so encouraging. And I just pray that that more and more pastors will be willing to stand for Jesus. Because look at all the people that haven't done that so far in history, and we can see where that's gone. Yeah. And the that was I have to agree. That was the um the the Roe v. Wade thing was more shocking to me than anything else because I, I feel like the church has typically tended to stay away from you know, those certain touchy topics. Although I don't agree with that, I feel like, you know, all of the Bible needs to be taught um, and and spoken up on, especially by pastors. That Those things have been, you know, when we're talking about, um, you know, gay marriages or whether we're talking about, um um, race related things or, you know, th- those touchy subjects passes have tended to like. Yeah. They avoid from. them because they it, don't yeah. want to deal with it. But Roby mm-hmm. Wade was one that I was really shocked by because we're talking about murder. We're talking about children. Yeah. Um. So that was one that really, I was really hurt by that. Mm-hmm. Um, that there were pastors that wanted to stay away from that. That, that that was something that as the body of Christ, we wouldn't all be celebrating. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that, that went through me. <laughs> I, I didn't expect that. Well, I didn't expect, I mean, I understand the vitriol from people that don't understand. And, and I, you know, when, before I had come to faith, I didn't understand it either. And I thought, you know, how dare any man tell me what I can or can't do with my body. Mm -hmm. But if you follow Christ and you truly believe in him and you truly believe that you were created in God's image, I just don't know how you may not like it, but I don't know how you could side any other way. I mean, it's, it's, it's so it's crystal clear. So yeah. And, and all of the other things, I mean, during during all of that nutty stuff with, you know, because we know that Antifa and Black Lives Matter aren't really about Black Lives Matter. They're not. And and so and yeah, and I and I like I just, it blows my mind that people are, are sidetracked by this. I think there needs to be greater voices of wisdom that stand up and go, listen, yeah, Black Lives Matter, all lives matter. And but and this would be good, except that understand what's behind all of this right. is destabilization of our country. Right. And and it's an evil entity. And the money that's being channeled into those organizations, why don't you follow the paper trail? Because mm-hmm. you can trace back to Soros and the global elitists that are part of all of this. Um, and I don't know, I haven't heard that the CCP or Chinese Communist Party has been involved in that, but they probably have been because mm-hmm. they've had their little fingers into everything else in terms of just planting people throughout our country and in our universities to change our thinking and to cultivate this antagonistic spirit um, that leads people down the wrong path. And I had um, a few years ago, and I've shared this story here before, my girls were working at a Starbucks locally, Mm -hmm. and they said, well, come on, mom, and, 
you know, make some coffee with us. And I thought, you know, I could do that. That'd be fun a couple of days a week. And I did. And I just really got along with a lot of the kids there. It was great. I was literally 30 years older than most of them. And they were Mm -hmm. of all nationalities and gay and straight and the whole thing. And I felt like I was there just to show the love of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then this whole thing broke and the Black Lives Matter thing. And everybody felt like they had to do the virtue signaling. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, I was told, and very, and there was vitriolic stuff that came out on, you know, some of my social media sites. It was because you are a believer in Jesus, you're a racist. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, how so? How, how does that make me a racist? I'm so confused. Well, because you believe in a book that condones slavery. Well, how about we get the book out? And I was really, you know, I'm like, listen, I don't, it grieves my heart that, that this is your thinking. And I, I, let's talk about it. But there was no talking about it, you know? Yeah, no. Mm-mm. And there were no churches talking about it. <laughs> so like uh, there I've I, since then, of course, there's some very brilliant, wonderful people that have been able to stand up and call things out for what they are. And truth is truth at the end of the day. And do and yeah. my my feeling is to people, OK, listen, don't operate in a place of fear. We all want what's best for each other. We really do. If we're if we're really boiling it down to let's take all extrapolate all of the other stuff. Or, or at least the relationships we have with one another from all of this other baloney. We yeah. want what's best for each other. We do. And we want what's best for our families. So let's ask God to show us truth. Because if we want truth, then we want it at all uh, all costs. I think there's a right. saying that, you know, if you truly, if, if, the, if truth is what you want, you won't let anything else get in the way of it. But a lot of times people don't really want the truth. Yeah. <laughs> they want what they think is best for them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And what's and what's comforting and convenient. Yeah. If if nothing else, I have learned that over the these past two years. Um, because I can't tell you how many times like I'll see a headline about something and then I'll see an uproar and people are angry and and voicing their loud, aggressive opinions on things. And I'm like, have we even looked into that? Like, Do you know what you're really angry about? It's the first headline. And then we just we're we're the anger is just stricken up in us. And it's, you know an uproar. Um, And I'm like, I think people are kind of addicted to just being angry. I think people are addicted to just having um, something to, I don't know, to fight about uh, for, for a lack of a term. It's not truth though. Yeah. You know, because I feel like when it's more about, the truth, there's more reasoning that happens and there's more like curiosity and um, get out. So I, um, prior to uh, 2020, when I would hear a lot about how Trump was a racist and I never doubted that he may be racist, you know, I'm like, it was just never, I didn't know, you know what I mean? And, it, mm-hmm. but it was never, like, I was never angry about it. And then like, as I began to see like 
all of the the anger and the uproar and then the things that would come out online, it that is what triggered my curiosity, honestly, because I'm mm-hmm. like, why are they angry? What? And then the things that they would point to and say, see, he's a racist. And I'm like, that what? Like I didn't. So it made me, <laughs> it made me start to like really look in, into it. And um, like I said, and that's around the time that I started really getting more into politics. I started like really like, looking and I'm like no actually all these things are good and especially if you're a Christian like these things like are are beneficial (laughs) for us so my point being people aren't really looking for truth it's not really you know they'll say that and that's a popular thing to say but it's not truth that that's motivating it's it's anger I think people are addicted to just anger and also being um able to agree with other people about what they're angry on if that makes sense like because there are so many people and it's easier to just be in agreement and then have somebody to support you in whatever the 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 issue is or whatever the anger is that's easier than to to go the route of truth because that's a narrow path Yeah, that's the path of least resistance. It's harder to pull away from the pack. It's like pulling yourself away from that gravitational pull. And, you know, I will tell you, Trump wasn't my first choice. But the more I, I prayed about it, the more I understood that God was using him. And I know this guy. So I, I live on a farm south of town. And this we had a guy out to deliver our hay at one point, And somehow we got on a subject. and He said, well, he didn't like Trump because Trump disparaged vets. And I've seen those clips. I've seen the clips where they're taken. I mean, you can take anything out of context and you can take a clip and manipulate it so that it sounds like it. But he was never derogatory toward vets. Mm -hmm. And all of the things, you know, he he did have a mouth on him, but it didn't mean that. (laughs) I mean, for me, I just think it, the minute you start voting personality, you're in trouble. You've got right. to vote the issues every single mm-hmm. time. And now the proof is there. The proof is in the pudding, as they say, because look at all the things that have transpired since he left office. So yes. I'm thinking, OK, so I'm not worried about Trump's personality when I'm filling up my gas tank. I'm not worried about Trump's personality when I'm seeing that heinous stuff that's going on where they're grooming little children, yeah. you know, in schools or, you know, the books and the trans visits and all of the things. I'm not worried about his personality then. I'm not worrying about his personality when all of our our neighbors across the sea are blustering uh, and talking about nuclear war. Exactly. You know, I mean, it's all the things I could go on and on. But I mean, I, I think bottom line for me, there. You know, when we talk about virtue signaling, I want a virtue signal for my God, if I'm going to virtue signal at all. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, you know, just think about it. If if you went out tonight, for those listening, and you, there was a crowd of people talking about your family, your mom, your dad, okay? I'm thinking especially your dad, you know, as as a woman. And this group is has all kinds of stuff they're talking, all all kinds of crap talk, you know, on your dad. Are you going to stand there and take it? Are you going to agree with them? Yeah, my dad was really awful. He did X, Y, and Z. No, you're going to stand up for your dad and you're going to say, no, no, that's not, that's not who he is. And I ought to know mm-hmm. because I'm his kid. Right. And so that's kind of how I feel about God or anybody who chooses 
God. And, you know, then I know the lines are blurry and a lot of people would argue, well, huh? you know, he didn't really choose Trump. Well, wait a minute. L- let's let's stop down a minute. There's a lot of evidence that suggests that's exactly what he did do. Mm-hmm. And I know we still have those conversations, even in my home. I, I hear word that, you know, at the end of the day, Trump still has an ego. Um, but mm-hmm. I don't, I don't really care about that. That's not, mm-hmm. right. you know, <laughs> right. you know, it, it's, it's about what can, what man is going to stand up to the deep state. And, and remember, I'm saying that conspiracy theory only came about that those words were used after the JFK assassination, because there was a narrative that was trying to be controlled. So conspiracy is only conspiracy until it's proven that it isn't. And in the last two years, there have been a handful more fistfuls of conspiracy that have come true, that have come true. And so I would just say, you know, just wait, just wait it out, pray on the Lord, um, see what he has. And in the meanwhile, I'm going to ask you, Sierra, what are you going to do? Because I'm I'm reflective, I'm self reflective about my own cowardice in areas. Um, What are you going to do personally, to, to change your world and the narrative there? Well, my, my, um, the area that I've been drawn to most, because, you know, I, I said that I, I worked in a school, um, I've always been drawn to work with and mentor kids. So that, that area, I I feel like honestly, and then I I said this to my husband, uh, a few different times, like when I see different things transpire, come about, I'm like, it seems like the road always comes back to the kids. Like mm. they've they they've been the target of um, everything going on. So yeah. I've, my thing has been really paying attention to like the legislation and things that are going on um, in the school system and really getting more involved. Like my my daughter, she's she's four. Um, my oldest daughter that's in school, she's four, but she she's in a um a private Christian school. Good. Um, however, I still feel that I want to get involved um with those things and going to the board meetings and you know just in mm-hmm. in my area for to to be the fight for the other kids that have to be there. Um, I really just have a heart for kids and the way that they're being really just groomed and lied to. And Mm -hmm. that really disturbs me. Um, So that has been my thing. I've really been... um, staying on top of that. And I signed up for, um, I can't think of the the site now, but uh, it's a site where they, they tell you, they'll uh, email you like the new, the legislation that's being passed so that you can stay on top of it. And you can, you know, cause it's, it's hard to find this, that stuff. You really have to go digging. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. So, this site, the particular, I don't, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but it's the particular site. It'll send you like anything that's going on. They'll send you an email, let you know. And, um, I also took the initiative to go and sign up for the, um, the board, um, 
in my area for the, the school. So they'll let me know like when the board meetings are coming up and things like that, because so that I can know what's going on. I really um, try to inform people and like through my social media, post things that are happening and going on um, with the school system. And a lot of a lot of the, you know, absence you see in parents and, and people standing up as well is because people don't really know. They just know mm-hmm. like what's trending, what they see that's trending on social media. So I try to give out as much information to like my realm of influence as possible um, because I, I feel like the average person doesn't want their child exposed to that. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you would think. <laughs> Um, I'm incredulous and I'm, I'm literally in tears when I see some of the parents online that allow their kids to go up and to not only view drag shows, but participate in them, including touching, which just blows my mind. But I, I will say that, you know, as you're talking, I'm just, maybe it's a prophetic word. I see you on a school board, like on the school board. You know, and I and I love that you're willing to do that for your community because not everyone can afford a Christian school, you know, and so and and things have to change and there have to be good, decent people willing to get involved in knowing the odds. Okay, you know what the odds are and what's stacked against you is the very real reality that evil has infiltrated every single facet of our of our our, our politics from the school boards on up. And so unfortunately there's a lot of pushback from the enemy, but you have the power of Christ in you, which means you can do anything. And that's what I see. I mean, I see, honestly, I see you in politics. Um, I don't know. I, when you talk about processing with your husband about, you know, where your calling is with kids, Mm -hmm. that's me with women. A hundred percent. So I love that you, you know what that is. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, that's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm seeing. I'm feeling you in, in a bigger way. Um, yeah. So, and I, and I love that. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of Robin Bullock's perspective on abortion, which you, I can't remember if you were there, but it's, it fascinates me because for the longest time, I mean, circling back to kids and, and what's going on with our kids, starting mm-hmm. at conception, um, there's an attack on our children. I always wondered, okay, so what's the enemy's end goal? Because if, if all of these babies are being aborted, they're going straight to heaven, you know, so heaven is being filled with these babies, right? So what's the end goal? I mean, it seems to me like letting them be born and then having an opportunity to poison them would be a better end game until, oh my gosh, it was profound. Robin Bullock said, it's the baby's cry. It's in the sound because the sound carries power against the enemies of God. That's radical. Mm. That's radical when you understand that. So now moving forward, and I, I don't know much about this, but I'm just starting to process through and understand that. And this has been only recent. Mm-hmm. So little children, you know, that are born, if you can affect their voices, then they're no longer speaking truth, right? They've been poisoned with all of this other thinking, mm-hmm. which is not of the kingdom of God. So anyway, I, I just think you're right. I think... I think our children who are our future, um, that's that's the focus these days. Yeah. Uh, the enemy's focus. Yeah. yeah. 
And even those people I work with at Starbucks, I just couldn't believe the radical thinking, the liberal thinking that was going on in their brains yeah. that, that just didn't make any sense to me. And I thought, where are you hearing this stuff, this garbage? Yeah. Um, it's it's at the university level where the CCP has infiltrated and, you know, creating this this monstrous socialism, the socialist thinking, which I guess most people think well, this is great. They'll take care of me, the government will, and I can have what I need and down with the filthy rich because I want a part of that. But what they don't realize, it's the filthy rich that are putting all of this into motion who want to remain in control and they want to quell (laughs) the population through socialism and ultimately communism. And it never works. It never works because God shows up every time. But, oh, goodness. Wow. Well, and and a rapper recently, and I can't remember his name, I use this in one of my news stories. He spoke on the silent majority. He said, you may even have 1% that's the vocal minority, but as long as the silent majority stays quiet, then the others gain gain traction because they're mm-hmm. they're the loudest voice in the room. So mm-hmm. so my question to you was, because I, I reflect upon this too, Sierra, I think if you know, my kids will tell you, if you know me, I am so non-conflict. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I, I would prefer to fly under the radar and pick flowers oh. and, you know, invite people to tea and <laughs> just um, bake scones and muffins and all of the things and play my music and celebrate and dance to the Lord. But um, he put it on my heart when we were going through all this stuff. I thought, well, I mean, I need to stay in my lane. I know I need to stay in my lane. <laughs> Um, but at the same time, my, I feel like in a way, my, all of our lanes are widening such that we can't yeah. be like my mom's generation. You don't bring up politics or religion in any conversation. Well, if you don't, you won't have any of those things. You'll just have a totalitarian way of existing. If you do not take a step now uh, for your children and grandchildren and for posterity. So, yeah. and for the kingdom. And so I just heard the voice say, you know what? In every single generation, there have been women that have stood alongside those brave men that have been willing to fight the good fight and take the risks. You think you're any less? Oh, yeah, I did. I thought I was less. I did. I thought, well, that's not for me. That's not the way I was wired. You didn't call me to do that. You called me to do these things. No, I didn't. He said, I called every single one of you to be courageous like those that went before you. I want to be like Harriet Tubman. I want to be like even Candace Owens right now for crying out loud. That woman, she just amazes me. I just love her so much. She has a huge favorite in this house. I want to be like people that call it out specifically. I want to be like those women that aren't afraid. I don't want to be afraid. I want to take a stand for what I'm supposed to take a stand for now. And even um, some of those people we saw on stage this last weekend, I'm thinking mm-hmm. of Brenda Kuhneman, you know, let's call yeah. it out like it is. Because if we're, I just think, you know, we only have one life to live and then we have all of eternity. But I think heaven is looking at us now and cheering us on and, and we were created for this time, we were wired exactly as we're wired for this time. So that's what I want to do. I want, I don't want to be a chicken. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I totally agree. 
Um, I agree with that. I am more like I've, I'm always the type. I'm. I don't even know how how you would call it because I I want to say non confrontational, but if I've never had an issue with confronting if it's in my face, but I've never been the type to bring it up. If that yes like, yes really, that's me a hundred percent yeah. So and so I. I totally agree with all the sentiments that you just laid out. That is what, that is what I want. And I have been really wrestling, honestly, earlier, um, actually it was, I think it was right before the pandemic started. My husband and I, um, we actually started a podcast called um, Unpopular Opinion. Because I love it. Of, yeah, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the 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 popular opinions now are anti-biblical. And yeah. our opinions, like we we noticed that the opinion that we have is always one that we didn't hear often. And so um we it it was we didn't it didn't go for long. Um through the pandemic, we are thinking about um, starting it back up, though, because I've been just I've been wanting a place to tell the truth. Yes, and I usually go to my stories for it. Like, I'll you know, if I have something on my heart, I'll write about it or, you know, I'll do like a short little video. But I'm like, it's just so much happening. And it's so it, it, you can't find many places where someone is speaking up. And I'm like, the fact that we sit at home and have these conversations amongst ourselves, it, mm-hmm. people need to hear it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so encouraging. Well, I hope you do. I'm going to pray for that. That would be really good. Because I think it's like every little thing that we do, even, you know, I've heard people say, oh, I'm not going to get on social media because it's just so dark and evil, whatever. Yeah, but you're you're called to go into the dark and evil places with your yeah. light. That's where we're called. So mm-hmm. I don't even if you just post a Bible verse mm-hmm. and ever nobody likes it, you know, uh, it, you could it's interesting. My kids can post, you know, pictures and they'll get a million likes whatever. It, you know, the minute I post something that's controversial or a Bible verse or whatever, you know, whatever. I don't care. It's not about the likes I get because here's what I think happens. I think in the spiritual world, there's a shift. There's a sonic Mm -hmm. boom every time. Boom, boom, boom. As we hit, that's our artillery against the enemy. Every time we speak up, every time we're willing to tell the truth, no matter what it looks like. So I really encourage you to do that. Um, Yeah, that gets back to what my, my feeling is like, yeah, I can see you yeah, I can see you definitely being in the public eye saying some of these things. And that's what we're supposed to do. And so, you know, for people listening, as we get ready to to close out today, Sierra, you know, it's all well and good to talk about, you know, all of this. But how do we know that, you know, the popular narrative, popular opinion nowadays is well, the Bible's antiquated. You can't really follow the Bible. What what would you say to that? And I, and as I I ask that question, kind of in conjunction with what I'm also thinking is, how do we know God is real? How do how do we know that He is who He says He is? And how do we sustain that faith? Have you seen um, any miracles? I guess is what I'm 
thinking well, too? For me, I know that God is real in my life. Um, based on from just personal experiences, I um, have seen God show up personally, and I've when I was. Uh, t- 10, 10 or 11, um, I was diagnosed as a type 1 diabetic. So I grew up with juvenile diabetes. And um, I had my mom, thank God, she still allowed me to leave and go off to college. I went to college in Chicago. Um, but I had moments from prior to college, but especially in college since I was, you know, on my own, where my blood sugars, I would have um, really low hypoglycemia um, episodes where my blood sugar would drop really low mm-hmm. and um, I would be unconscious. And I've, I've never really shared this with anyone except with my husband, but I would um, have these episodes or these moments where although I'm um, unconscious, I would get up and um, I would speak in tongues and I would have the energy somehow. I don't, I can't even really, like, this is my first time trying to explain it out loud um, outside of my husband because he's seen it. I'm Um, riveted. I'm riveted. So go on. This is great. Yeah. And I'm really just trying to find the words to, to even describe what it is, what the, what it is, but God would, Holy Spirit would, would meet me in those moments. Mm -hmm. And, um, I would be able to get up and get whatever it is that I I need. And I'll even have moments where I would hear, um, to stay, stay, I would hear, stay sleep, stay sleep. And then I would hear, no, you need to get up. Um, so those moments I'm, certain that it had that it was Holy Spirit. I didn't know at the time. It wasn't until like now when I've become more mature and and um have grown my relationship um with with God and with Holy Spirit that I began to know that that that's what that was. But there's are so many moments where even the paramedics would be called and they would say things like you're shook like you, you shouldn't still be alive and mm-hmm. this is something that has been that has taken place more um than once in in my past um and obviously moments that are not even as dramatic as those moments just regular moments where i feel like um, feel hopeless or like overwhelmed or whether it, whether it's, um, marriage, whether it's business or, you know, just life and getting into the presence of God. And I always try to explain this. I'm like, this is, it's just one of those things that you have to experience. It's like an overwhelming peace that happens in those moments where you know that something shifted. And it obviously wasn't you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, yeah. Where it feels like the world could cave in on you and yet mm-hmm. it doesn't and you feel peace about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 
and then you you're certain like I, and I know that that it's God and it's hard it's really hard to explain and I I even you know when I try to um give encouragement to my friends I'm like no it, in those moments where we're feeling that way that you just described like, things are caving in like I'm not going to make it you feel hopeless and you feel like you know you you don't have the strength to to continue and I'm like no get in your word get going to prayer going to worship you will be amazed at how your mind changes um and it's just in those personal moments that I I know God mm-hmm. it, it's it's those personal moments but it really comes down to really getting in his getting in his presence getting into the word um and for me, that's what it has been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think until you give it a try, you're not going to know. And the yeah. reason that I came back around was I finally just had had enough. And I said, okay, God, who are you? Show me. I mean, it's as simple as that. You know, for those who may doubt, I would just say, we get, we circle back to what we were talking about earlier, Sierra. Just if you really want to know the truth, ask for it. Because from all of the evidence around you, you have to know that there is a God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, now just ask him who he is. He'll show mm-hmm. you. Yeah. 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 It, it is. I go back to, you know, you can know, like, it, it was prior to me, like, really experiencing God um, and seeing him show up in my life. I knew you know, from just from what you know, from what you read, you know, from a knowledge base. No, like I know this about God, you know. Right. But the experience, it's one that it's a confirmation in your spirit that you, like you said, only know when you try, when you try it or that you only know when you really put put the um what you learn, the biblical principles that you've learned in practice. You know, it's yeah. one thing to to know, you know, the 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 knowledge of it. You know, you you memorize things, you you memorize the scriptures, or you know, from reading the Bible or from Sunday school or you know whatever what um, the Bible says. But then when you start putting it into practice, your it, it is confirmed in your spirit. And it's a different knowing, you know? Yeah, for sure. And you can't know that, like you said, until you you intellectualize it and you internalize it. Mm -hmm. And and I love it. It's the perfect marrying of intuition and feeling and intellectualizing, if that makes sense. I yeah, it's that's good. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, this, that was my first time really trying to put that into <laughs> into words. So, do you still suffer from type one diabetes? Yes, uh, I I don't want to say suffer because I believe that I've received my healing. I also believe yeah. that um, the God's healing power is is working in me. But that yeah. is something that um, I still deal with and have since. So I started at ten. Um, juvenile diabetes. Um, well, I'm going to contend for your healing and I'm going to pray it 
for you that you are healed and you're right. I think your words are right because your words will manifest because you know what we focus on expands. So I believe that. I believe that. I believe you're healing like you do. Thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes, you know, and I will tell you, I wait, I wait a long time for things too. And sometimes I go to the Lord and go, okay, so why am I rebuking? Why am I praying? Why, why isn't this being healed? And Mm -hmm. he said to me, don't I always heal you? Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, you do. You just, it's not always according to my timeline, which I would really like it to be. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'll get sucked into that as well. Um, and God just always redirects me and remind me whatever is going on, um, whatever, in spite of anything that I see, what I know is that God's word is true. And then that mm-hmm. is the foundation that I stand on in spite of anything else. And so um, that's what gets me, mm-hmm. gets my, continues um the faith walk for me, like I just have to God, and that's a constant. That's that's God's go-to for me. What does my word say, and what are you going to stand on? Mm. What do you know? Because I I can't I can't stand on what I feel. You right. know what I know is that God's word doesn't come back void. It, it it does what he sends it out to do. And so yes, that amen. is what I stand on. Yes. Amen. Well, that is a great way to end today. It's just a pleasure talking to you. And and I love just to remind every you, all of the rest of you, uh, there is power in standing on the truth, like Sierra said, and watch that happen. So supporting the truth, standing for the truth, declaring the truth, even it, the cost of your ego or your image or whatever it is, there's fruit in that there. And, and you won't, you won't not see that fruit. So, so be assured of it. And I'm just, I'm so encouraged by you, Sierra, from the first moment that we met, I thought the Lord said, you need to talk to her. And I, I know you're doing great things for the kingdom. And I just want to thank you for that. Uh, it takes Thank a you. it takes a team, right? And it's it's good to be standing by a sister in Christ who's willing to speak truth. And I'm honored to know you. Yes, same. I'm honored, and I'm so glad that we met, and I'm so glad that we um, continue to that that you reached out so that we were able to continue um, to get to know each other. It's it's really nice having to being able to meet someone new and meet other believers that um, stand in agreement with what you believe. Yes. Amen. I agree. And I I hope that we will continue to stay in touch uh, constantly as we move forward because united we will stand. And um, yeah, it's, it's so good. Well, Thank you so much today, Sierra Nelson, for coming on and and talking with me. And thank you, the rest of you for listening in. And I just want to leave you with one verse today. And it's one of my favorites, Second Chronicles 16.9, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. 
And remember, wherever you find yourself today, you are relevant, you are influential, and you are called to unveil truth for color, to light the world with color, and to share your color. And I hope you'll continue to join us on Color Speak, wherever you find your podcasts, and on Grace and Truth Radio World. This is Janet Huxley, J.M. Huxley, for Truth Talk on Color Speak, unveiling truth for color.